Chosen Mamas. Welcome to season two of the Chosen Mamas podcast. We are so excited to dive into some really amazing topics over this next semester. Please join us, sit down with a cup of coffee or tea, and just be invited in to share in fellowship with us as Christian moms. Happy Wednesday, Mamas. Today we are going to be talking about Bible translations, and I am really excited about this. I think understanding the different translations can really make a world of difference in how your personal Bible study goes. So to start with, I will be taking some ideas from a book called Introduction to Biblical Interpretation by Klein, Blomberg, and Hubbard. This is actually a textbook I used in a hermeneutics class that really helped explain the differences and kind of pointed me in the direction I wanted to go for what kind of study I was wanting to do at any given time. So these authors describe our translations as being in three categories. The first category is called the formally equivalent translation, and this includes translations like the King James Version and the New King James Version, which are KJV and NKJV on the front of your Bibles, um, as well as the New American Standard Bible, NASB, the English Standard Version, ESV, and the New Revised Standard Version, which is NRSV. And these translations prioritize the form and structure of the original text over what is intelligible in English. So the use of these translations to us today is that it helps us see what the original language was like. However, this can be a hindrance to those who do not know the nuance of the original language, which honestly is most of us. And the King James Version gives us another problem because it's in Old English, which even though that's the language we know, it's something that most of us are not familiar with. So it actually makes an extra level of confusion for a lot of people. Now, some people really love the King James Version. They find it very poetic and very moving. So again, kind of gauge that for yourself because some people really, really do want as close to the original as they can get. And so this may be the way to go. But if you're like, "Mm, that's going to confuse me, that's actually going to keep me from picking up my Bible, this might not be the route to go. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, we have what is called the dynamically equivalent translations. These include the Good News Bible, GNB, the New Living Translation, the NLT, the Contemporary English Version, CEV, and the New Century Version, NCV. So these translations prioritize the meaning that the modern audience is getting when they read a particular text. They're less concerned about translating the original Greek or Hebrew with its direct English equivalent because they want to make sure that we are getting the original meaning, the original heart of the message. That is the priority in these translations. So while some people might consider these less accurate than the formal equivalent translations, there are those who also argue that the original intent is more important than the original nuance of the specific words. One of the main areas that you see uh, being changed in these kinds of translations is when it comes to idioms and figures of speech. Often, if the example that the original author used doesn't make any sense to modern English readers, the translators will change it to make sense. And so that makes for a completely different metaphor, completely different idiom. And some people argue, yeah, you think you've got the 
original intent, but there are things that may have been lost. Why aren't we teaching people to understand the original phrase and what it meant and have them learn that way instead of, you know, imposing our own metaphor on a text? So some of us have time to look into that original metaphor and that original use of speech, and some of us don't have the resources and don't have the time. So I think there's definitely a place for this kind of translation. So between these two ends of the spectrum, we have the kind of translation that is called the optimally equivalent translation. This includes the New International Version, NIV, Holman Christian Standard Bible, HCSB, and the Common English Bible, CEB. So these translations seek really to just have a balance. They seek to give clarity and accuracy the same amount of attention in any given passage. Sometimes one of those factors may be favored slightly above the other depending on what passage it is. So this kind of translation just really seeks to find the balance between the two different factors that the other kinds of translations prioritize, which is original language and original intent. So if you're kind of trying to find a balance um, between those two, this, this might be the place to go. So hopefully this isn't too confusing going over these three different types of translations. I like to think of it in terms of when students study Shakespeare. So the formally equivalent translation example is like when we study the original Shakespeare. It's difficult to understand, but you are getting it in all its original glory and you can study from there. The optimally equivalent translation is Shakespeare in modern English. So it seeks to have the original lines, but maybe reworded in such a way that it makes sense. But there's not a lot of creative <laughs> license taken. Lastly, the dynamically equivalent translation is like reading a novel that is a retelling of the original Shakespeare play. That's maybe not completely fair because that does sound more like a paraphrase. Um, and a paraphrase is actually our last category that we're going to be going over today. Paraphrases are like the message, MSG, and the living Bible, which is TLB or LB, depending on what version of it you pick up. Um, and these are where people have read the original text and retold it. So in a way, it's a step further from the dynamically equivalent translation idea. Okay, and some people find this really dangerous and some people find this really helpful. And I think the idea we just have to keep in mind is that as Christians, I really, really believe that we are meant to take what we read in scripture, what we know of God, and retell that to the world in our own words. So that's like a, a deeper philosophical idea of this. But there are authors who have studied the Bible and who have studied the original text who take that retell the story in their words and then present it to the public. So the idea is that this very educated scholarly person is taking scripture and telling it to you in their words, through their eyes, through their lens. And I think that paraphrases can be extremely helpful in spiritual formation because often we look at a passage that we've read a thousand times, we're getting nothing new from it. And if you read a paraphrase, you are not even aware it's the same passage, but you are hit with an entirely new perspective on it. 
And so I don't necessarily memorize paraphrases. In fact, I don't because I know that this is someone else's interpretation of the Bible and and that even though that person is highly educated and scholarly, it's not necessarily going to be the exact same thing I would get if I did the same study they did. But I do use paraphrases and I think that they they definitely have a place in the Christian world. Some Christians don't think so. They think that they're dangerous. Um, and so you just have to kind of discern for yourself prayerfully what you want to do with paraphrases. But I think that I think they have a place and I think that all of these different kinds of translations have a place and that they can be used to help us draw closer to God and help us engage with the Bible, which is something Christians really are not doing in the way that you would expect now that we have so, so many avenues to interact with it. So hopefully this is an encouragement because if you're having trouble with reading the Bible, it might just be that you need a different translation and that that really could change a lot for you. Um, Before we go, I think Amanda has a few final thoughts about really, really getting into the truth of Scripture. Okay, let's start with the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. And specifically, the verse goes on, specifically with that, I have looked at a number of translations And that part about um, refusing to practice cunning or tampering with God's word, that is actually translated differently. Uh, One version says that we refuse to distort the word of God. One version says that we refuse to um, twist God's word to suit our own desires. That's sort of my paraphrase of the message paraphrase. But specifically... Looking at that and the concept of not tampering or distorting or altering the Word of God, I think it's important to consider that when you are reading Scripture to know what you are reading. Is it a paraphrase? Is it the translation? And a little bit more about the background of that translation. Um, I had mentioned that we are going to have a speaker who was in a situation that historically people have been in many times and even now at this very moment are in which is that they do not have access to bibles or the word of god or church and those things have to happen um, covertly with serious ramifications in place due to persecution so reading this verse in second corinthians really prompted me to think and what i read and and what i that's not the right verb is what i read (laughs) actually the word of God and what do I have actually hidden in my heart because when we don't know what we've read or what we're retaining then if you're in a position for whatever reason and you need to bring something to mind and recall it you have to think well was that a paraphrase was that someone else's quote was that actual scripture and it makes it very hard to remember what was what And, and for example you know to be in in someone's shoes that is going through that situation, it would be very difficult, especially in our times of persecution, to have to stop and think, is that actually biblical? I don't know. I don't have access to that anymore. Gosh, was that so-and-so who said that? And so I just know as I thought about it, I was like, no, I want to have the word of God to memory and not have to fool around with, you know, where was this coming from or, or who said this quote? So just be aware of, of what you pick up and what you're reading. Um, and as I had talked a little bit about earlier, 
the whole concept of the hot potato just kind of tossing things around here and there and twisting the word of God to make it suit whatever your specific point is and whatever context, uh, be aware of those things. I think that's a powerful point. If we were restricted from ever reading a Bible again, ever reading a piece of material about God again, what would we have hidden in our hearts? Is it just is it just paraphrases? Is it just podcasts and sermons and other people's commentary? Or have we interacted with scripture ourselves? I think that's a very important thing to consider. So I hope you ladies have enjoyed just a brief introduction into translations. And I hope it's encouraging because if you're finding that you can't connect to God very easily through the Bible, this could be something to check out that could really just make a world of difference. We will be continuing discussing about translations and resources and ways to help quiet time be a really, really beautiful time of connection with God in the next coming weeks. We'll see you next time.